What's up, gamers? I'm Noah Hertz. And I'm Nathaniel Wilson. And welcome to Press Start. This is usually the part where I say something like goofy or like stupid. You got any good like non sequiturs up your sleeve? The gaming podcast where we talk about Fortnite when <laughs> there's no girls around. There we go. That's what's up. <laughs> so. If you listened to our last episode, you'll know, and if you did not, not a big deal. Uh, regular host Tori Dominguez is off, like, prepping to get married and shit. So we figured we'd give her some time off and allow her to, like, not think about her silly little gaming podcast while she's working all that out. There's also, like, a hurricane bearing down on Florida, or I guess it's, like, mostly past us at the time of our recording, but that was a little scary for a minute, so... In the meantime, we are bringing in, in the other host seat, my good friend and another uh, quote-unquote journalist who games, as we like to call them, Nathaniel Wilson. He's a person whose uh, feelings on media I really deeply respect. So welcome welcome to the show, Nathaniel. Thank you so much. Also a press start stand. Press start stand. Yeah, absolutely. Has listened to like every episode of the show, and I love that about him. Um also got an excellent radio voice too, just truly impeccable. Before we get into talking any kind of like gaming news or stuff we're playing, it would be unfair to bring a new person onto the show and not interrogate them about the kind of stuff they like. So do you want to do you want to tell us a little bit about you a little bit about how you got into like video games and the kind of stuff you like? Yeah, definitely. So um, I think like my earliest video game memories, it's funny are like with my mom Mm. which i say is funny because my mom like is like no type of gamer at all (laughs) like listening listening to you guys in the earlier episodes it's so funny to hear like you and tori both talk about like oh yeah when i was a kid like i was playing this with my dad and tori will be like yeah my mom like grinds dark souls (laughs) and like no that is that's not how it is over here at all and so like my earliest gaming memory is we had um, an NES mm-hmm. when it was just like me and my mom and I was a little kid and I'm sure we had more games, but like the only cartridge that I ever remember being in that thing was Super Mario Bros on one side and Duck Hunt on the other side. That's a classic. And so we had like, yeah, we had like those classic rectangle NES remotes and then we also had a couple of like the orange duck hunt guns like the ones that look at the light on the tv and play um and so that was like my first video gaming in my life i think i also like for context i have like an uncle who's the same age as me um i i say like for context because like our video game the beginnings of our video game lives are very much intertwined because we grew up so close in age and so i remember we played like PC games also when we were really young. Mm-hmm. Like I remember uh, Tony Hawk Pro Skater 2 on was one of like on PC. Huh. Yeah. Um, I like I knew that we had a Tony Hawk game, but I did not remember which one it was mm-hmm. until like the remaster of the first two Pro Skater games came out. And uh, like I knew all the maps from Pro Skater 2. Oh, that's wild. Like, this is crazy. Like this must have been the one that I had when I was a kid. Mm-hmm. And so... My first gaming system was a Game Boy Advance. Oh, that was that's a good one, yeah. Yeah, I had like a 
I think I had one of like the clear ones. Oh, okay, cool. Like one of the one of yeah. the long ones, the advances. Yes. Or, yeah. Yes. And I used that to play like I had the Star Wars trilogy game. Yeah. You know that one? Yeah. With, that's like the silver and black on the Oh, front. that was not a good game. I, I remember no. playing it though, but it was not a good game at all. That's like all of my early video game life. It's like me having a cool console mm-hmm. and playing no platformers. Yeah. Instead, just being like, how can I play football game? <laughs> how can I play Star Wars game? Yeah. And so I remember my uncle got an SP mm-hmm. and I was so jealous. And so then magically I got an SP, right? I had a blue one. Nice. Um, we got a GameCube at some point and mm-hmm. like the GameCube games that I remember playing are like Madden and NASCAR, mm-hmm. which is just like hilarious to me because yeah. it's like the people who had these systems were playing stuff like Mario Sunshine mm-hmm. and like Smash and like Mario Kart and Mario Party. And it was just like, nope, we're going to play fucking Madden 2007. Yeah. On the GameCube. That's funny, though, because I, I did have some of the sports games for the GameCube. Because, like, I had I had Mario Sunshine, I had Luigi's Mansion, like, I had the hits. But, and I don't know if it's because, like, sports games were just cheap. So it was, it was, like, a good way to boost your library up without spending an arm and a leg. Or also, like, my dad, and he's kind of, he's kind of foist this on me as I get older, like, uh, sports video games, I have always enjoyed more than I've enjoyed watching sports. So, like, I remember very distinctly I had NHL hits on the GameCube. And it was just, like, a pretty standard NHL hockey game. But I remember it had a whole mechanic where you could just get into fights with the other players. So I would, I would like, constantly antagonize the other players to try and force the computer to fight me. <laughs> so I, like, I was playing sports, but I was, like, only kind of playing sports. No, I remember... Like one memory is we were playing a Madden game and like I scored at the last second of the game mm-hmm. and my uncle took the tiny Madden GameCube disc out of the GameCube and, <laughs> and snapped it. <laughs> <laughs> and so, yeah, no more Madden on the GameCube, I guess. This kind of thing about like how people our age got into playing video games is really interesting to me because like i don't know i feel like if you go just a generation back or like two generations back to be safe the the people's parents are of an age that it was very very uncommon for them to be playing this stuff but like as as people in our mid-20s now it's really not that uncommon for people our parents age to have had an nes or to have had a super nintendo or that kind of thing so it's really interesting that like me, you and Tori and a lot of other people our age grew up around like whatever video game console our parents had, depending on how mm-hmm. into games they were. Like I gather Tori's parents or mom were like way more into games than like my dad was or your mom was like my dad had a Genesis, but he wasn't like he wasn't like reading magazines to find out what games were good. It was just like Sonic looks cool and I saw a cool commercials. So that's why I got this one and that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. And so I, my first like console that I had that was my own was um, I had like an Xbox, mm-hmm. I remember. And the games that stand out from that era are like the NFL Street games, mm-hmm. which I don't know if you've ever played those, but it's like 
seven on seven football or whatever. No, and it's I like, never played that one. The street games were like a brand of thing. There was like NFL and there was NBA and it's like you're playing at a park and they're not like wearing their uniforms. They're wearing like clothes, regular clothes, right? And so they're like game breakers okay. and you're running on the walls and like just like crazy shit like that. Mm. And so it's funny because like uh, when you talk about the old games that you have, you're like, I had this and I have this and I have this. And for me, it's like when I would get the new one, I would trade in all my old stuff yep. to have enough money yep. to get the next one, which is like so whack yeah. looking back on. And it's I, like I traded in so much shit looking back that I wish I would have kept. Like it's it's unreal. Yeah, I've like traded in stuff that I've bought in adulthood mm. and just like t- you have to take that L sometimes, yeah. but yeah. it's just like. That's not the way to live. I wish I could go back to my young self. Yeah. Because at, at this point, I'm like, I want to play NFL Street mm-hmm. with my friends. And I can't because younger me was like, I actually want a PS2 now, mm-hmm. you know? And so I remember I got a PS2 and the game that I got, you guys love to talk about like the the movie video games. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I, I had Transformers, oh, the game. Yeah, that was good. Like, that was good. I mean... I remember it being good. It probably wasn't, but but I got that game the same day that I got my PS2. Okay, and I came from having an Xbox before that, and so I didn't know I had to get a memory card with the PS2, and so I had PS2, Transformers, the game, and no memory card, <laughs> and so I just played like the first level of Transformers, the game, many times because. There was no saving. It was just like, have to get off for the night. I'll start over. It's it's honestly like speed running before I knew what speed running was. That's you know? so wild. It's like, how much of this game can I get through tonight? Maybe we'll see a new part. Did you ever like beat it or? No. Yeah. At some point, I'm sure I got a memory card. And at some point, I also, I'm sure got Madden on my PS2. And then it was Transformers. I don't want to play with this anymore. Madden is my new best friend. Yeah um i had a psp at some point in there it's a good console it's a good console yeah i remember i got like the star wars battlefront 2 yeah on psp that was a really ass port of that game but it's crazy that that was ported like the stuff that they ported to psp is just like insane the library that that thing had well the psp was crazy too because it had like the sequels to Battlefront 2 that came out in like a post Battlefront 2 world where mm-hmm. we were just like clamoring for another console game. And I don't know if how closely you were following this. I remember it's probably like six months to a year ago now when a bunch of internal files leaked of what like the quote unquote Battlefront 3 that Pandemic was working on was going to be. And it was almost basically just one of the PSP games. And it kind of yeah. like it kind of like flattened out a lot of my expectations when I heard that I was like, so we kind of got it. Like we didn't get the the sprawling you can go from the ground to space seamlessly type thing, but like we functionally mm-hmm. got the Battlefront three that they were working on on the PSP. It was just kind of crunchy looking. And even in the new versions of Battlefront one and two, there's not really like yeah. they never really did the whole seamless ground to space yeah. one single fight type thing. But I remember the nice thing with Battlefront 2 was me and my buddy both had PSPs in Battlefront 2. And so we would play in the LAN parties. Nice. 
And like it did, that makes a game suck so much less, even if it sucks, you know, mm. the fact that you can be on one system and your friend on their own. Yeah. Having your own screens, you know, playing together. Um, I got like a 360 after that, I think. OK, so you jumped ship from PlayStation over to Xbox. I'm always jumping ship yeah. still into our, into this year of our Lord yeah. 2022. I'm still jumping. But I remember, like, that's when I first played, like, NBA 2K. I got into that. And, like, I played a bunch of the Assassin's Creed games mm-hmm. on 360. I remember, like, it was when I had a 360 and my mom got married. And, like, my stepdad kind of got into Assassin's Creed with me. Oh, that's cool. And, like, that was cool. Yeah. It's funny to, like, go back to those games now. Yeah. Because it's just, like... They're so janky nowadays. Yeah. They really are. I... Like Odyssey was just put in the Game Pass, mm-hmm. and I tried it out because it like it. I'll, I'm sure I'll talk about this later, but I beat um, Jedi Fallen Order oh, recently for oh, the first time. Interesting. But I just like needed my Jedi Fallen Order fix, mm-hmm. right? And so I was like, Odyssey will be similar enough, right? And like instead of hitting with x i was hitting with rb and i was just like i don't like how this feels i sent you the meme recently that was like the gta 6 leaked footage looks so bad that it looks like a finished ubisoft yes (laughs) yes that's really funny you had that experience with assassin's creed though because probably around a very similar time i was playing those games with my mom because when i was like going through high school I found it was on. Remember how, like, I don't know if they still do it, but like Target and Walmart will have like that section of PC games that's like mm-hmm. five to ten dollars for like weirdly good PC games sometimes. I picked up Assassin's Creed 1 for the PC. I don't know why, because I had like the jankiest family laptop that we all shared, but I picked it up on PC because I'd kind of always wanted to play it. And I remember like explaining it to my mom on the ride home. Because I had like read a lot about it. And at that point, there was like six of these games out. And she was like, this actually sounds really cool. So like I was playing it one day on the computer. It was running at like 10 frames per second, but I was having a blast. And my mom was like, this actually looks really cool. So I picked it up on PS3 and her and I played. We played one, two, Brotherhood, whatever the one after Brotherhood was at Revelations and then mm-hmm. three together. And then by the time we got the Black Flag, I was like a senior in high school and I was really busy. And the only time I was really playing it was like super late at night when I was like half asleep. So we played like a significant part of that series together. And I think she she just kind of enjoyed watching it and like seeing because that was a very big time for like, look how pretty and big the world is. And like, ooh, mm-hmm. we put the Hagia Sophia in the game. How cool is that? So like, I think those are really fun games to play like with a backseat person, even if they're just like watching. It's a good spectator game. Yeah, and my stepdad, like, no shade to him, but he's totally one of those white people who's, like, interested in the Eastern world, Yeah, you know? And so... <laughs> I love that. <laughs> Assassin's Creed is just, like, totally that, mm. you know? It's very much like white people looking at, like, the East yeah. and being like, this, this world is beautiful, you know? At some point in there, I remember I got a DS... But I got like the Guitar Hero DS. Ooh, okay. Where you plugged in the Guitar yeah, Hero you, like, thing into the bottom hand, and you yeah. played it on the back. And then for whatever reason, I never played my DS. And like, of course, it makes sense because I just had like the shittiest yeah. possible DS game yeah. that I could have. 
Um, and I think the next system I got was when I got a PS4. Mm-hmm. And I think like that is kind of when gaming changed for me when I got my PS4. Because I had been like an Xbox grinder for a little bit. And when I got the PS4, I wanted to play PS3 games. And like Sony has always been so bad with making like their back catalog available. Yeah. And so I went out and like found a first gen PS3 so it could be backwards compatible. And so I got one of those and I got like a GameCube and this was all in like the same summer. I'm trying, I think that was like summer 2015. Okay. Which was like also the year that I dropped out of college. And so it makes sense that this is yeah. all happening. I'm like, uh, it was like very turbulent. Let me go back and play these games I remember loving as a kid. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, I don't know what the future holds. So I need to buy copies of Spider Man 2. <laughs> And Tony Hawk Pro Skater 3. That's like frighteningly relatable, honestly. That's real. Like, I feel like that's such a thing too now where it'll be like, oh, it's summertime. What am I doing? It's like, let's let's look for video games from my childhood Mm -hmm. to play. And so it was like years, I think, that I was just rocking with those three systems um, when the pandemic hit. And everyone that had a Switch was like the luckiest person ever. And everyone that wanted one was so unlucky because they were so impossible to get. Mm -hmm. Like you've told the story about your dad getting one. And like I I was just like looking for a Switch anywhere. I had like no money, was living in Tallahassee by myself. Mm -hmm. And I was like, I am going to put a Nintendo Switch on my credit card if I can find one because I am dying. I never found one though. Really? Thankfully. Until... Yeah, like after summer 2020 ended and I moved back in with my family in Tampa, Mm. I bought a Switch. And that's when, oh, at some point also, I bought like, I went and got like a 2DS, like the one that's flat, that doesn't close. Because they were like, they were like mad cheap for a minute there. Yes, they were super cheap. And then also there were... In, like, the 3DS store, there were so many old ports for, like, not that much money. And so I got a 2DS, and that's when I, like, played Pokemon for the first time in my life. wow. Was, like, as an adult on my 2DS. But I got a Switch a couple years ago, and then, like, super recently I bought an Xbox (laughs) Series S. And so I'm on the Game Pass grind. I'm on looking for old shit on the nintendo switch Mm -hmm. to play i'm like playing more video games right now than probably ever before in my life but it's like very different i think like video games when i was growing up was very much like a multiplayer thing Mm -hmm. in like the games that i'm looking to play are ones where i can sit on the couch and play them with my friends right and then when the pandemic happened it turned into like, which are the video games that I can play where I can talk to my friends yeah, for like hours? Yeah, stay connected you know? with people, yeah. Yeah. And so video games for me have always been about, like, spending time with other people, mm-hmm. right? And I feel like until now in my life, and I don't view it as, like, a negative thing that I'm, like, playing single-player games for the first time in my life. I think it's cool, and there's, like, so much shit that I want to play, yeah. and it's, like can't get to it all at once you know but i'm in like a cool and very different spot in my video game playing life right now i think is there anything you think that like spurred you into that direction or did it just kind of happen organically 
Um, I think honestly, when I would like this past summer, I was doing Amazon delivery, mm -hmm. and that's when I listened to like all of the episodes of your podcast that I hadn't listened to. <laughs> yeah, and I think like you and Tori are both people who your whole life have like at least put like some amount of focus into playing video games by yourself mm -hmm. or playing single player games with other people right yeah but single player games are, have like been such a thing for you guys for so long um and just hearing you guys talk about that i thought was really cool mm -hmm. and then i think also just like how big elden ring was yeah this up this year is also part of it where it's just like playing by yourself grinding i think like is something that was like finally appealing to me in a real way that was really neat too because that was a very big example of uh, so many people at the same time playing a single player game and then yeah. talking about it and talking about their experiences and discovering stuff and all this that it it did really make it feel like a collaborative experience even if it it wasn't necessarily always on paper yeah, yeah totally you kind of gave some examples of games that have like stuck out to you over the years, but I am curious, like it doesn't have to be like a, a top five or a top 10, but like, what are some, what are some games that stick out to you as games that you really love? I want to do my top five. Go for it. Go for it. You ask your guests that's for true. it. That's true. Yeah, that's and, true. And every time you would ask a guest for it and I'd listen, I would be like, if I'm ever on this podcast, I don't know how I'm going to answer that question because it's such a hard it is. It's, question yeah. for me. And so, okay. I think I'm going to put the original Super Mario Brothers in there just because it's good. like is my it's my first gaming thing. Mm -hmm. And it's been it's like a game that like when my parents bought a Wii U, like I bought the port on there and I had the port. I bought it on my DS and I play it on my Switch still sometimes. Mm -hmm. It's like a game that I've definitely not ever stopped playing. Um, I'm going to put I'm just going to say like NBA 2K. I will put in there i have like such a love hate relationship yeah. with that game because it's bad right but i love basketball mm -hmm. and i love like the idea of a good basketball sim and it just that doesn't exist right so 2k is what we get is this like specifically 2k or is this like 2k 21 2k 22 like if i had to pick one i don't know it's hard to i guess like the one that people always talk about is the best one is like 2k 11 okay um but i think like every year there's the new 2k they change it but it's the same game and so i'm just gonna say 2k um in the same way i'm gonna say uh star wars battlefront yeah because like i love all those games the first one or I think I just mean like all four of them. Okay, that's My fair. favorites are probably like both of the Star Wars Battlefront 2s. Mm -hmm. And so if I have to pick one of these games, I'll go with like the first Star Wars Battlefront 2. Yeah. Um, but all four of those games I think are so awesome and so replayable. Yeah. For like, like if totally you can different tell... reasons too, each of them. Yes. But yeah. Yes. Um, I remember like when the first remake of battlefront came out and they had like that survival mode yeah where it's like you're playing with a friend against waves of cpus i played so, cool. so much of that shit yeah yeah and in the newest one like the capture of the flag modes and the ones where you fight on the planet and go up to space mm -hmm. and fight in space and like that shit is so cool yeah. i love those games i love i love star wars and we're gonna talk about star wars yeah. later at, at length <laughs> 
but like I, there were some other contenders, which I'll do. I'll do some shout outs after this, but, um, this is where it gets hard. Okay. I think I'm going to go. I think I'm just going to say Fortnite. And I, I like, I kind of mean Fortnite the game, but I also just mean whichever game I'm playing with my friends at the time. Yeah. Or we're using voice. It's just like a stand in for that. Yeah. Yeah. So like Fortnite can be Rocket League, can be Grand Theft Auto 5, can be Apex. Yeah. But like right now it's Fortnite. So I'm just going to say Fortnite. Um, And then my favorite video game of all time would have to be Tony Hawk's Pro Skater 3. Okay. I love video games where you just do the same thing over and over (laughs) and over, which is why I love 2K, which is why I love Fortnite and Rocket League, because like I take solace in like simple replayability, like being able to get really good at the same thing, right? Like THPS is just like two minute runs in a little skate park and it's like, how good can I get at two minute runs? And I just feel like I've played all of the Tony Hawk pro skater games and a lot of the other Tony Hawk games. Mm -hmm. I played like all the pro skater remakes and three is the best one. Anyone who thinks different can kick rocks. (laughs) Rio, amazing map. Um, It's just a big circle. Yeah. I just love Tony Hawk Pro Skater 3. It looks good. It's like the first one that looks good. The physics of those games always felt so cool to me. I feel like there are like skate kids and there are Tony Hawk kids. Yeah, definitely. And the Tony Hawk kids is like, how ridiculous can I make this to get the biggest score? Mm -hmm. And the skate kids are like, but the physics, right? And I'm like, I don't care about physics. I care about 2 million points. (laughs) But you care about grinding for a minute and a half straight. That's what you care about. Yes. Yeah. Yes, exactly. I think there is something to be said, you know, you talk about doing the same thing over and over again for just like games that put you in a zen-like state of just brain off focus. Because I feel like that's kind of where I am at with Fortnite nowadays. Like before mm-hmm. you and I started playing last night, like I was just... I was incredibly stressed about the fact that there's this fucking enormous hurricane heading directly at us. I was like, where I live is like basically in the middle of where all the projections are saying the storm is going to go. And with natural disasters like that, like once you've done all the preparation, there's really nothing you can do other than like turn on the news and stress yourself out more. So I was just like, I'm going to play a couple rounds of Fortnite. And I played like two solo rounds where I just like completely turned my brain off and just went into, I like, I I feel like my eyes practically roll back in my head and I just like get shotgun headshots until someone shotgun headshots me. And then I'm like, ah, damn, guess I'm going to jump into another game. That's like my thing with Rocket League Mm -hmm. where it's like, there are so many games on my PS4 where if you booted them up, you would just hear no menu music. And it's just because I shut the menu music off and I turn on music on PS4, Spotify, or like I'll throw a podcast on and then just like play Rocket League, you know, and like I'm listening to the podcast. I'm being toxic in the Rocket League chat, (laughs) but like my brain is really off, you know. Those are games that you love and things you consider your favorites. Something I was thinking about when I was like prepping questions to ask, though, are like and I think this is I think this is probably pertinent considering you've been talking about like how games have changed or how your relationship with this medium has changed. 
what are some games that inspire you? And I don't know if that's, you know, creatively, if in your own creative endeavors, or if that's in, inspire you in a way to look at the medium differently or to think differently about it. But like, are there are there things that stick out to you like that? And is that different than like Fortnite, Tony Hawk Pro Skater, Mario One? Like, what does that look like? Yeah, I think it's definitely different. Like the ones where I think of inspiring me, if I had to like break them into categories, I would say like, you know, like the multiplayer couch battle games. Yeah. Yeah. And so like, have you played Gang Beasts? Yeah. 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 Gang and like Food Mess and Boomerang Foo. Mm -hmm. It's just like these physics based games that are like, they are only really made for you to sit on the couch with your friends and play them. Yeah. And it's like, primary colors and small maps and like fun simple movement yeah. like stuff that built around good. like one or two key mechanics yeah yes exactly um and then like visual novels mm -hmm. definitely are something i've gotten really into in the past year so like one night stand mm -hmm. i i really thought about putting in that top five yeah. list and i think it's close i have like a lot of love for that game um a Year of Springs is another one that I've played. That's the one that's um, like the trans girl gets invited to the birthday celebration at the Hot Springs. Another one like is Speed Dating for Ghosts mm -hmm. is one that we've played together. And it's just like another thing where it's like empty background, colorful characters, like block text. And it's just like, I like when visual novels are pretty and simple and short, you know, and where you like, I don't even really care if what I'm saying is affecting the game that much. Like when I was playing A Year of Springs, I kind of felt like whatever I chose, like more or less the same thing mm -hmm. was going to happen in the game. But like they were telling me such a beautiful story um, and the game looks so good yeah. that I don't even really care. Um and then like RPGs. And so that's another one that like, that's a genre of games that I was not really into mm -hmm. as a kid that I'm like getting into in adulthood. So like when you guys were on your big Persona 3 kick, like I went out and bought Persona 3 and played it a little bit. But like, um, like I talked about playing Pokemon in adulthood um, and like I'm playing Disco Elysium right now. Mm -hmm. And so again, just like, storytelling you know i think is something that's so cool and like something that has like not always been there in my video game playing yeah. because like i don't know every year in like the 2k my career they try to tell a story yeah. and it's always really stupid and it's like such a meme every year when the game comes out and like that's not a story that i'm looking for because like when i'm playing basketball video game i want to play basketball you know yeah. and so like storytelling in video games is something that i'm only have been like looking at and taking more seriously like within the past few years and so i think like i love games that are simple i love games that are pretty and i love good stories and like those are the things that are like inspiring to me that i see in video games mm. and like viewing those as like a medium for art yeah yeah, I think like, I and I talked about this a little bit in the the episode when we interviewed uh, Lucy Blundell, the person who made One Night Stand. Like, making video games has always felt like very beyond me because of how coding heavy it is. And I know that that some of that has changed with like 
some of the the engines for video game creation have become more like you don't even really have to know how to code to do this but playing Mm -hmm. stuff like rpgs and like visual novels is like kind of a window for me into like I don't I, it would take it would take more than just like sitting down and putting pen to paper but this is like almost reachable in terms of stuff like mm-hmm. if I had an idea I could make and I think that there's something like really inviting about that of playing something and not being like well I could do this but being like this is almost something that I could wrap my head around and that's like that mm-hmm. gets me thinking about it in a different way too and it's kind of neat yeah that was a really cool couple of lists um I think it's fun to just kind of like I don't know. I think it's very telling about like how people interact with this kind of stuff. And it's always really interesting. Do you want to talk a little bit about some, some news items that we have here? I do. Um, <laughs> I curated this week, a couple and you found one too, of just some, uh, one really bleak item. And then one item that I think will lead to some good conversation as well. First up, I saw this on Kotaku the other day. Walmart is opening up some Roblox worlds in an attempt to target, as they call it, the next generation of shoppers. So this is being branded as Marvel's Marvel, Jesus Christ, of uh, not that that far off, honestly, Walmart's big jump into the quote unquote metaverse and their their way of like, ooh, targeting these audiences we've never targeted before. There's this inc- the W the WCU <laughs> the WCU. There's this really horrific comment in this article on Kotaku, which I'll drop in the description, where the what is this guy? He's the chief marketing officer for Walmart. Says, "How are we driving relevance in cultural conversation? How are we developing community and engagement? How are we moving the needle from a brand favorability standpoint with younger audiences? That's what we're trying to accomplish here." And I don't know about you, but that like makes my skin fucking crawl. Yeah. Walmart is like, we're not making enough money. Right? Exactly. Let's drive the conversation of us making more money. And especially since they're like, we have to target audiences that we don't currently target. And that's like people 25 years old and younger. And I'm like, you don't need to target fucking anybody. It's a grocery store. People are going to shop at the supermarket that is closest to them. And either has the shit they like, or in my case, is the cheapest near me. And if that's a Walmart, it's a Walmart. And like, it's not just a grocery store. It's like the grocery store that kills all the other ones in your small town. And so it's like, you're already marketing yourself to everyone by making yourself the only place in a town where you can buy bananas, you know? (laughs) Exactly. I think uh, the funniest part about this for me, though, is that like, it's... It is Roblox, which I know is, like, so fucking popular. It is, like, immensely popular. Granted, mostly to people who are, like, young, considerably younger than we are. But this is being branded as, like, the metaverse. And I think this tells you pretty much everything you need to know about the metaverse as far as it's been branded branded in recent years. Which is, like, this is not, it's not going to be a place, or it's not, it's not going to be a place, full stop. But it's not going to be a loosely connected group of places where people go to hang out. It's going to be places where like individuals buy NFTs and shit to try and grift. And it's going to be places where big companies do shit like this as like a gross PR stunt that shuts down in a year and a half. Yeah, the thing about this is like, I don't know, like since I got an Xbox, I've been looking in the store Mm -hmm. a lot because I like look for games to buy. And Roblox is always 
so close to the top of like the top free games on xbox and so like people are playing this i get like roblox content on my tiktok for you page sometimes but it's like always the ones where people are doing like a drive-by on a roblox house party which like i love those videos but like i my other connection to roblox is like over thanksgiving last year like my mom's sister came and stayed with us Mm -hmm. and she had her son and he was like seven and on an ipad and he was like playing squid games roblox and it's just like roblox like people who are like 10 years older than me and just see like fortnite being like sucking up all the ip is like definitely how i look at roblox like it's like all this stuff exists inside of it and i will never touch it like i have no interest in roblox i like i don't like the art style i think like it looks dumb i don't understand what it what you do on there and i like sound like an old person which i hate to just like i hate to rag on young people but like i i hate roblox and it's just like the interesting thing to me about this Walmart story is like we're seeing these metaverses pop up more and more and like it's a joke to us right yeah. when it's Facebook is making one and Walmart is making one but you got to wonder if like eventually these are going to become such a big thing that like stuff we care about yeah. is making their own metaverse you know like is there going to be like a haymarket books metaverse <laughs> at some point <laughs> Come on down to the Verso books ebook sale in the metaverse. <laughs> no, I I feel I mean that's kind of how I feel with Fortnite, you know. And granted, it's not quite the same because of the way it works with IP and stuff. But like there was there was a switch that flipped in my head when they did the Star Wars thing in Fortnite, and you could pick up lightsabers and shit. And oh, Darth Vader's here now. Where I was like, well, I can't not play this. You know what I mean? And like when where they added Dragon Ball Z stuff, I was like. Well, I can't not jump in and see what Goku looks like in the game. So, yeah, we we are not the target audience yet, but if this stuff survives, maybe we will be. But the thing for me seeing all this is that like when Walmart does stuff like this, obviously it makes the news because of course it will. It's like a big deal that they're throwing money at Roblox. But this is the, everything the metaverse is doing now and I think we've talked about this on the show before is no different than what companies were trying to do with like second life 15 20 years ago like mm-hmm. if you you can go into second life now and there is still like these decrepit empty branded spaces that were created by companies or by bands or by who knows fucking what that you can just like go walk around in and see like Oh man, Duran Duran really sh- threw enough money at Second Life so they could have a space and it just died out. And I-, I think at least some of the coverage of this metaverse stuff is very like fawning over like, ooh, what's the next kind of technology going to be like? But like this Kotaku article is not like that. The the secondary subhead underneath it is the anti-union retail giant is opening up experiences in Roblox as it takes its first steps toward hell, aka the metaverse. <laughs> Which the thing that's crazy to me and like the question I have is like, at what point do companies think it's a good idea to make it harder for people to buy stuff instead of easier? Because it's like Walmart is being like, we want to target different demographics to sell stuff. 
And so instead of making it as easy to buy as possible, they're like, you need a VR headset yeah. and you need to get on Roblox so you can buy our NFTs. And it's like, can I not just buy it? Like, would it not be easier to buy it on walmart.com? Right, yeah. And then that would at least drive traffic to walmart.com so I can be like, oh, I do need some bar soap now too. So I'll, I'll pick up I'll pick up an NFT and like some bar soap and uh, some Canadian bacon while I'm at it. <laughs> Yeah, it sucks. Um, it's bleak, but I have something that is a little less bleak, and this one is pretty big if true, if you ask me. There is a semi-quasi kind of sort of reputable leaker. This guy apparently has had some leaks right as far as like Grand Theft Auto 6 goes, as well as Call of Duty stuff goes. And he says that Disney reportedly wants there to be a new Star Wars game on shelves every six months, which if I could go back in time like 15 years and tell 10 year old me like, hey, guess what? There's going to be a future where huge companies are throwing a new Star Wars game on the shelf every six years. I'd probably like shit myself. But uh, I don't know how I feel about this, honestly. Um, There's a list that this person has made of like all of the games that are in development that we know of right now. And so we've got the the Amy Hennig game, Amy Hennig, the, the woman who directed some of the Uncharted games, that was like canceled and then uncanceled and brought back. There is an untitled first-person shooter that's un, in development from Respawn, an open-world game from Ubisoft Massive, the Quantic Dream game that's supposed to come out in the next 11 years, the Knights of the Old Republic remake that the company making it like folded, so they moved it to a different one. The sequel to Jedi Fallen Order, which I think is actually going to come out. Something called Star Wars Hunters, which is like looks kind of like a mobile game. It's from Zynga. And then an untitled strategy game from Respawn Entertainment. So for the people keeping score at home, that's eight Star Wars games currently in development. How are we feeling about this? You said you don't know how you're feeling about this. I know how I'm feeling about this. <laughs> how are you feeling about and this? And it is, it's bad. Yeah. Let's just do an exercise real quick, right? Like, give me five of your favorite Star Wars games, just off the top of your head. Okay. Uh, whew, Battlefront 2. Uh, Which one? The, the original Battlefront 2. And then, let's see, Battlefront 2... I'm I'm going purely based off of like my memory of these games, not on how well they've held up. So just keep that in mind. Uh, Star Wars: The Force Unleashed One, classic. Jedi Outcast, not because I ever really beat it, because of but because of like how revelatory it felt to play that as a kid. Um, Star Wars: Empire War for the PC, and then I'm gonna throw Fallen Order in as like a as a bonus. Yeah. Yeah, I'm gonna go like. The original Battlefront 2 yeah. and Fallen Order I'll share yeah. with you. And then I'll say Lego Star Wars, the complete oh, saga. Oh, I didn't think about that. Yeah. I'm going to go Star Wars Episode 3, Revenge of the Sith. Fucking banger. Yeah. And then I don't even know for my last one. Let's say, let's say like the new Star Wars Battlefront 2. Okay. Right? That's fair. That's fair. So of all those 10 games that we named, like two of them came out when we were adults. <laughs> yes, this is true. Right? And we're not 19 yes. or 25. And so like Star Wars is just not putting out good games. Yeah. Like I thought the first Battlefront remake was good. 
And then the second one came out and it was plagued by microtransactions. Like yeah. I didn't get into that one for like two years. Fallen Order is good. There's like the, what's the name of the one where you fight in space? Squadrons. Yeah. Squadrons, like people like, but like there's not a lot of noise out about yeah. it. I think just like there haven't been yeah. a lot of good Star Wars games. And so I'm not like excited really for more Star Wars yeah. games. And it's it's the same way for me with me where like Disney is releasing all these Star Wars TV shows and I'm not watching yeah. them. Like I watched the first five episodes of The Mandalorian and I was just like, okay. <laughs> and then just like didn't start watching Boba Fett. Like, I'm not even watching the Obi-Wan series, which, like, yeah. if you asked me 10 years ago, like, a 15-year-old me, like, I would have I would have died for there to yeah. be, like, an Obi-Wan series that Hayden Christian is in, right? And it's just, like, I don't know. Like, we saw the Avengers game come out, mm -hmm. and <laughs> and the Guardians of the Galaxy game came out, and it's just, like, people aren't playing them because they don't think they're good. Yeah. And it's, like, if Disney wants games on shelves... They're going to put out shitty content. Yeah. And even if they are good, like in the case of the Guardians of the Galaxy game, like I heard that it was really good from people who played it, but I don't think a lot of people played it because of yeah. that exact reason. And like, I think part of that problem is that however many years ago now, right after Disney purchased Star Wars, when they purchased Lucasfilm and they shuttered LucasArts, what they pretty much immediately did was they made an exclusivity deal with EA and they were like, EA, you can make all the Star Wars games you want and only EA. And since that happened, there were so many weird cancellations and projects that cropped up and they canceled so many games that were in development, most famously Star Wars 1313, the one that was going to be like an Uncharted style, like, ooh, this is going to be cool. And that kind of seems like what Amy Hennig is working on now. So under the exclusivity deal, literally all we got was the two Battlefront games, Jedi Fallen Order and Squadrons, which like, if I was a company like EA... If if I as a human being was at this company, since companies are people, I I probably would have separated out so many more teams to make use of this exclusivity deal. And it's it's up now. Like other companies now will have the opportunity. So like in a way, I think that's kind of good, but because I just don't trust EA further than I can throw them. But I think the issue here is that I think there is like way too much saturation with this with this like franchise. And instead of seeing that and going, maybe people are losing some enthusiasm for this because maybe they are like between you and I and like on the internet, but I think it's still selling shit. And so for them to go, some people might think it's oversaturated, but I want a new one on shelves every six months. It's just, I'm not into it. I, you, I'm the same yeah. way. Like I'm not keeping up with the TV shows because there's just too fucking much of it. Yeah, like even the Lego Star Wars game, which like when that was announced, I was so excited for mm. it and it got pushed back and I was like, whatever. And then we heard like the horror stories out of yeah. the crunch from that game and then it came out and I still bought it like day of release. And I think I beat like A New Hope and Empire Strikes Back and then I just like put it down yeah. and like I... Like they came up with like the new engine for that game to run on and they tried to make it like more of a shooter mm. than any other Lego game before it. And I don't like how it feels. And they have like since scrapped that engine and like the next Lego games aren't going to be running like that. That's and nuts. it's just like it just seems like it at this point, it can't be a coincidence that like 
production of Star Wars games is cursed yeah. because they, it's just like never beginning to end good and then good product. Yeah. It's like there's always bad stuff that we hear when there's a Star Wars game being made. It's really tough for me too because it's not like like you just naturally as you get older obviously grow out of stuff that you were into when you were younger. But I don't feel like that's what happened with me in Star Wars, you know? I feel like I got like pushed out because I just wasn't interested in some of the stuff they were putting out. Like I've been I've been listening to there's a really good podcast called A More Civilized Age and it's it's a rewatch podcast by some of the folks who either used to or currently host uh, Vice's Waypoint Radio, the video game podcast, and they are rewatching the entirety of the Star Wars Clone Wars animated show. And like I remember watching like the first season of that on TV when I was a kid and I did not get into it. But apparently shit popped off like right after I stopped watching it as a kid. And like hearing these people who are just like diehard fucking fans really just like dig into the meat of this show. And even when there's an episode they hate or an episode that's like Jar Jar centric, like they still find stuff that they love about it and they love to talk about with it. And I'm really waiting for like them to get to the Disney era stuff because I'm not going to fucking go to bat for George Lucas. Like the man was the man was making stuff and he was like crafting everything in order to maximize action figure sales like anybody who thinks that's not what george lucas was doing is wrong but i i don't know it just feels like so much of the more recent star wars stuff is a product of eight people sitting around a boardroom table like how can we maximize profit here instead of like one wacky guy who was like i want to make a movie about trade disputes that like on paper sucks but i just i really i really honor and i really appreciate that just like gusto which he approached everything so yeah for me i think like if i had to pick one human being to blame for me being less interested in star wars now it would be jj abrams (laughs) that's fair yeah i think it i think it's just like when you and I were born, like I had, I have such an affinity for the Star Wars prequels. Yeah, same. And like, I know they're bad, but them yeah, a, same. Yes, I've watched them like multiple times, done rewatches in adulthood, and been like, these movies are not good, but like they're still some of my favorites. Yeah. And I remember how excited I was when I found out that that like seven, eight, nine trilogy was going to come mm-hmm. out, and like I hated seven. I loved eight. And then J.J. Abrams is like doing interviews where he's like, our goal with this new trilogy is for people to forget that the prequels ever existed. And it's just like, fuck off. Like people love those movies. Like you see the way people are reacting to um, like Hayden and Ewan in the the Obi-Wan show. And it's like people love that era of Star Wars. And I think like until this Obi-Wan show, like Disney just kind of shoved that away with two arms and it's just like if i like i know star wars fans get so much flack on the internet for good reason for good reason for like being the fan base that most hates what it is a fandom Mm -hmm. of but like it's it's one thing for the fans to be like the stuff that we love sucks and it's another thing for like a mega corporation to buy the thing that you love and then also shit on yeah Well, it's like you remember when the first Star Wars Battlefront came out, and I remember the first new Star Wars Battlefront came out, and I remember there was like a really dramatic trailer at one of the E3s where it was like, 
lovingly realized in like these beautiful HD of like a snow speeder on Hoth and like an ad ad and like it was so fucking cool. And then they made the decision to not include any content from the prequels in that game. And that that mm-hmm. to me, like they did correct that in the second game, but they didn't overcorrect, you know, like there was no story con there was no scripted story content with the prequel mm-hmm. stuff. And I think that like fully right there felt like a total admission of like the uh, everything's under new ownership now guys don't worry you're never gonna have to see a battle droid again and it's like there mm-hmm. there is still stuff to mine from there and that's I, I would like to see more of that stuff in the video games that they work on because totally because it's like there there's just a lot of even if all you do is like take a list of names and a like an art book and flip open and you take nothing else from it like there is some really interesting stuff so mm-hmm. i don't know even if we are going to be inundated with new games it's I hope at least one of them is good. Honestly. So Google is like finally killing Stadia. I thought it was already dead when I saw this headline. Yeah. Stadia is like been dead to me since before it came out, but whatever. We'll we'll get to that in a little bit. But I guess um like it had kind of been in limbo and I think they had like pushed off this decision earlier in the year. Mm-hmm. Um but they're finally ending it the thing that i thought was crazy about this is that like google is gonna refund stadia hardware purchases made through the google store that's fucking nuts and they're gonna refund game and add-on content that is so that was purchased in the stadia imagine if nintendo had done that with the wii u if they had been like we fucked up so bad you can have your money back like that is nuts it it's like, I guess Google is just making so much money that they can just give it away. Yeah. But it's just like, seems, I guess like, right, if you make a shitty video game system and then it flops and you don't want to keep it alive, then like in a perfect world, you would refund people yeah. for that. But like, we don't live in a perfect world and it's just Yeah, like, nobody ever does I'm, that. <laughs> yeah, I'm just standing on the sideline being like, Google, what are you doing? Yeah. Did you ever have any interest in Stadia? Was it anything you ever thought about? I guess like the closest interest I had to Stadia was kind of the promise of being able to use even underpowered devices that you have in your home as like just screens, basically. Because like there was a promise at one point of like, here's your shitty underpowered laptop all you need to be able to do is have a good internet connection and it'll basically turn it into a screen and you're not gonna have to worry about your own because i've never had a good gaming pc like i have always mm-hmm. had dinky shitty 300 hundred dollar laptops that can word process and browse the internet and play strategy games from 1999 and little else like so that idea was really cool to me but it just there were times when you know, like a game was going to be released and they would show off a trailer and then at the end of the trailer, it would be like coming to consoles and they would have the icons for the consoles and it'd be like, you know, PlayStation, Microsoft, whatever Nintendo had out. And then there would be the Stadia logo. And every single time I saw it, it caught me off guard. I was like, are people using that widely enough? And like, I guess <laughs> I feel like the the drill tweet where it's like, you do not, in fact, have to hand it to ISIS. Um you you do not have to, in fact, hand it to Google. They're, like, one of the biggest companies on the planet. But, like, it was kind of ballsy to just go, we have so much money, we can put ourselves into this, like, console race. 
and then should just crash and burn spectacularly because they didn't know yeah. what people wanted. It's like a, not a new thing for people to be like, how are Google and Apple going to challenge Nintendo, Sony, and Microsoft exactly. in like the video game wars? And like, maybe it's whack of me, but I've just like never been interested yeah. in like video game stuff from companies yeah. like i don't want a console that's not like nintendo or microsoft or sony mm -hmm. and like if it was anything else other than video games then i would be like brand loyalty is stupid mm -hmm. but like i i never needed apple to like try to challenge the ps5 yeah. you know and stadia like tried to do it their own way like it was a cool idea but it's like would you rather have the Stadia controller or get a Nintendo Switch? Yeah. You know? I really liked this one tweet I saw from uh, one of the hosts from the Into the Aether podcast, Brendan Bigley. He said, Google Stadia was literally your unreliable and always late friend saying, I promise I'll be on time for your party. <laughs> it really does. I don't know. Like, we... I, I and Tori both bemoan a lot like digital video game purchases and like only owning things digitally. And like, I, I hate, again, I hate to hand it to Google, but they did the right thing here. Like they, they fully refunded purchases that were totally digital because in a slightly, slightly worse version of this, they shuttered Stadia, they killed it. And oops, all those games you bought, well, you never really owned them anyway. You were buying licenses mm -hmm. to play and stream these games. So yeah. if a if a slightly worse situation had happened, it would have been like the absolute worst case scenario for one of these things. Mm -hmm. And I, I don't know, I think like but then again, Game Pass is like kicking ass doing something that's like very similar yeah. to what Stadia promised it could do. So I, I don't know what's what's being done so differently there. Maybe it's the fact that so many people already owned Xboxes anyway and you didn't have mm -hmm. to buy into a whole new thing. But I don't know. Yeah, I've seen like some discussion online of like what's going to happen to these games that were Stadia exclusive yeah. and just like there are games that are going to go away forever, yeah. which sucks. It's like the same discussion that we're seeing with like HBO Max yeah. getting rid of originals um, and like that kind of thing always sucks, but they're going to be relegated it's... to like YouTube compilations in a decade. They're like. Yeah. Lost media from the Google Stadia. <laughs> there are worse places to be. Honestly, there absolutely are. I think that's all we have as far as news items here, though. Next, we'll segue here into what we've been playing. You've already hinted at a couple of things you've been playing. So what have, what have you been chomping into? Okay. I bought Elden Ring today. Okay. It is... <laughs> What day is it? It's Thursday. Mm -hmm. Okay. I bought Elden Ring today. Um, I uh, beat one boss. It's been so gloomy because of the hurricane. And so I felt bad because my girlfriend is here. And she just sat on the couch <laughs> while I played Elden Ring. And it's gray outside. And that just like is hellish, yeah. I think. I feel um, like there are probably worse games for you to have been playing. Like it could have been like a dating sim. Just being like, hey, why should we play this dating sim? No, she would have been way more interested. That's at, fair. I That's think. fair. She she likes that stuff. No, and so it's like, um, like I beat Jedi Fallen Order recently, 
And I was like, where do I go from here? What game do I want to get? And I like kind I've never played a Souls game before. So I was thinking about getting one of the remastered Souls yeah. games, but they're $40 on the Xbox store. And I don't want to play $40 to play Dark Souls 1 remastered. So I'm just gonna wait for it to go on sale. The other one that I thought about getting was uh Sekido. Okay, yeah. Um, I remember like when that came out and Thundercat was talking a lot about it on Twitter and he was like, this game is so hard yeah. and so cool. And like, I think that one's really pretty, but I was like, whatever, I can buy Elden Ring. Uh, I can buy a digital code from Target for $50 and it's 60 on the Xbox store. Mm -hmm. So let's go, let's do it. I'm so behind everyone else, but whatever. I mean, I'm right there with uh, you. I never beat the game. I like... I got so busy because at the same time Tori and I were playing Persona 3 and I felt like I just did not have enough hours in the day to devote to like beating Persona 3 in a timely manner and playing Elden Ring. So I just really yeah. had to drill down on Persona and put Elden Ring aside. And I've had so much anxiety about I feel like going back to Elden Ring now has become like going back to an Animal Crossing town that you leave for mm -hmm. two years because I'm like, I don't even... I'm like, I don't even remember what weapons I was using. I had like just made it to a part in a game where I could reclass myself. And I think I had reclassed myself in a way I didn't like. So I've just got like a shitload of skill points and I don't know how to allocate them. So I'm not going to start over, I don't think, when I go back to it. But I am going to be kind of building a character from scratch in a way. So that's like really stressful to me. I'm, I'm waiting because I do really want to play through the rest of that game. Even though I have heard that like, the second half of the game is way less interesting than the first half, but mm -hmm. I'm interested to see how you feel about it. Is it is it scratching the same itch that Fallen Order did for you? Um, yes, but it's harder okay. than Fallen Order. That's true. Yeah, it's also a lot less. There's a lot less direction mm -hmm. in Elden Ring, which is something in video games that I really struggle mm -hmm. with. I really like in jedi fallen order how it's like go to this planet and go to this place and do this yeah. thing and then i did this thing and it's like go back to the ship and go to another planet and do another yeah. thing and on the elden ring it's kind of like off you go <laughs> yeah and like not only is it off you go but then it's also like i get to places and fight people that i can't beat mm -hmm. and i'm trying to diff like i'm struggling to differentiate between like Am I not beating this person because this game is hard? Yeah. Or am I not beating this person because my character is not leveled up enough? Yeah. And so it's like Elden Ring is going to be a big fight for mm -hmm. me. Like, we'll see if I ever finish that game. Hopefully I do. But like that, I'm just going to be wrestling with that. Thing. I think if you really struggle with it, uh, another another way to get into these types of games could be like a Bloodborne or a Sekiro, which I have not played Sekiro, but I understand that it's like a little more story driven and a little more like yeah. on a path. Bloodborne is kind of similar in that way where it's like it is very much a similar way that like Elden Ring starts where you just kind of like fuck off into this world you know nothing about and you're learning about everything through like item descriptions and stuff. But Elden Elden Ring. Bloodborne is a lot more linear in the sense that it's like, for the mm. most part, there's only one direction you can go. And then eventually it'll open up a little bit and you have like three directions you can go. But it is never, here is a map. You can go fight these things. It's always, okay, I can't beat this boss, so I'm going to go try to fight this boss. And if I can't beat that boss, mm -hmm. then I guess I just need to go grind for a little bit. So I don't know. Mm -hmm. But I, I'm curious to hear how you feel about that one once you play a little more of it. 
Yeah, and then I'm playing Disco Elysium mm -hmm. was on sale on the Switch yes. store. Um, I've been playing that slowly. Um, I didn't say up top, but for for work, I'm like a broadcaster at our NPR affiliate here in Gainesville. And so I do my casts at like 6.04 and 6.31 and 7.04 and 7.31, mm -hmm. like from 6 to 10 a.m. And so I have like 25 minutes to do whatever I mm -hmm. want as long as I wrote all my casts out, right? And so I'm like playing disco elysium in switch handheld mode at work mm -hmm. in between casts and it was confusing at first i'm enjoying it more and more as i get into it and more as i understand it um i like thought that i died yesterday when i was playing mm -hmm. it and i thought that i was gonna have to restart and i was really upset but then i figured out that my character was just passed out um, I don't want to talk too much about Disco Elysium because I'm hoping that you guys will do yeah. like a Disco Elysium type thing that you did for Persona 3. I'm, I'm almost um, certain we will at some point, yeah. Yeah, and so all I have to say about Disco Elysium is Noah by <laughs> Disco Elysium, Tori by Disco Elysium. I, uh, I meant to buy it when it was on sale on the Switch because it was literally on sale for 50% off, it, so $20 instead of $40, and I literally just forgot. So. Uh, that's yeah. a bummer. I'm sure it'll go on sale again. I'm still planning on picking it up. Like, I know this is just like the most up my alley shit there is where it's like this this RPG that has like both story driven stuff and like skill driven stuff. Oh, and also it's about like what ideology looks like in like a post revolutionary state. Like, I, I really desperately need to pick this game up. But uh, other than like being a police officer. Mm -hmm. It's right up our alleys. Yeah, that's yes. fair. That's fair. Even though, like, it, um, I believe I've read that it does, like, interrogate that a little bit, too. So It does. Yeah, at yeah. least a little bit. Yeah. yeah. And then, other than that, I'm playing Fortnite. Always playing Fortnite. But we're both playing Fortnite, yeah. We were both playing Fortnite last night when my electricity flickered because of this hurricane and knocked me out of the game of duos we were playing together. Yeah, I did not win. That's a bummer. They put Splatoon in Fortnite. Um, we've talked about how we've not ever played a lot of Splatoon, either of us. Um, I don't like sometimes they put new stuff in Fortnite and I'm like, this is so good. You made your game so much better. And sometimes they put stuff in and I'm just like kind of waiting until they take it out. Like they have they have the fire bow and arrow in there for a that little bit so a few good. weeks ago. That was so good. And they only had it in there for one week. And it, it was just like one of my favorite yeah. weeks of the game since I've gone back to it. I'm like one of the people who has only gone back to Fortnite since no build was introduced. Yeah. But I'm like, I was like... Uh, I was never really someone who was into shooters and then my friends were really into Apex and so I got into it in like 2020 and was playing a lot of that for the past couple of years. Mm -hmm. um, but Fortnite just like I understand if you like how Apex plays more. Yeah. But as far as like being good to the people that play it, I think like Fortnite does a little better job than Apex does. Yeah. I like... There are just little things in Fortnite that make it better, like being in your friend's party and not in their game and being able to watch them mm -hmm. and like how the party chat works on the loading screens. Yeah. And it's just like there are really easy things that Fortnite is doing that other battle royales could be doing and they're choosing not to yeah. for whatever reason, you know. And so I think Fortnite is really awesome. I'm very pro Fortnite yeah. and I'm 
playing it too much and spending real money on Fortnite, which is like something two years ago I would have made fun of myself for. <laughs> but two years ago, I didn't have the dynamite dances. That's on true. Fortnite, yeah, that's true. You know, I think one thing Epic is really good about with Fortnite too is like not being afraid to just like try new shit and constantly try to find new ways to appeal to the community. It reminds me a lot of like Overwatch in its heyday when mm-hmm. like they were constantly adding in new game modes and new this and new that and new characters that like really changed the way you played the game and it it all felt like it was being it all felt like it really was coming from a place of like wanting to foster this like i don't want to say competitive because that's not necessarily what fortnite is doing but like this this like interesting way to play this game and mm-hmm. like overwatch fucking fell off but Fortnite does really feel like it's not afraid to experiment with stuff and like Apex does that as well but I feel like the drip feed of new content into Apex is just like a snail's pace compared to Fortnite and there's something Mm -hmm. to be said for that like I I've kind of bemoaned like you mentioned the the fire arrows that they added into Fortnite there was one week of the game within the last couple of months where they added in all these new weapons and they like increase the spawn rate of the item that lets you throw a jar to light stuff on fire so it was like for a week the the meta the whole aim of things had so much more to do with like lighting stuff on fire and Mm -hmm. getting people trapped in structures and lighting it on fire and that would have been one thing if the build mechanic was like still what i was playing but in no build mode it was so much more interesting because all you had to interact with was the stuff that was already on the map so it made Mm -hmm. me think about pre-existing structures in a way i never had before and then it disappeared after a week and i was like just Mm -hmm. bring that back as a game mode or something like i would play the hell out of that yeah i don't know and then the last game i want to talk about since nba 2k 23 came out okay i have been fighting myself every day to not buy it especially (laughs) because i'm next gen now and so games cost 70 dollars instead of 60 which is crazy um 70 dollars is so much to spend on a new video game yeah that's but um with the hurricane coming and my week being off of work and school i bought nba 2k 23 Mm -hmm. and i play it's it is 152 gigabytes oh my god and so i downloaded that i played it um for one night and then i woke up and played it a little more and then I decided that I hate it and I'm really upset that I spent $70 on it. Like there's just when I was looking at it in the store before I bought it, there was one review and it said, you will sleep better at night with $70 than oh, if you buy this no. game. And it, that was just sticking in my head. And so I like went on Reddit and I looked up like, what is the Xbox store mm-hmm. return policy? Because this this PlayStation Store return policy is get fucked. Yeah, yeah, like, it's the same as Nintendo. It. Yeah, it's like, hey, yeah. you bought this game, go fuck yourself. Yeah, which like I don't think is unfair, but Xboxes does not work that way. Hmm. It's like you can file for a return, um, and then they will look at your case and decide whether or not they're gonna accept your return claim. Okay, right? that's cool. And so I learned on Reddit that really the only thing that they care about is how many hours of the game you play. I wondered if it was like Steam where it's like if you have less than two hours in, they'll accept it. No question asked. But other than that, it's yeah. Yes. So I filed a return ticket for 2K 
and I said that I bought the wrong version. And then one minute later, my return was accepted. Oh and my so, god! Yeah, what was so I, th- bad about this game? Like my, I, from the outside looking in, my perception of like the different versions of NBA Two K and like the different versions of Madden are similar, and that it's like it's just iterating on graphics slightly, maybe game mode slightly, and the players. But like, what was so bad about this? I think as Two K has evolved, I don't like the basketball part of it which Mm -hmm. sounds crazy because it's a basketball game it does sound crazy yeah and so what i enjoy in 2k is like starting a league and having one team and like making trades and signings and trying to make my team as good as i can Mm -hmm. right i like to like play general manager which i know there are lots of people there are like whole communities on youtube for people who like just like to play like this where they don't yeah. really even enjoy playing the basketball part of the game they just like to build teams right and so that's kind of what i was doing with it and then when i tried to actually play basketball on it i just didn't like how it felt at all and i was like i will get this game in 2 months when it's 35 dollars yeah. because it will be because 2K is constantly going on sale because they only care about the microtransactions. Mm-hmm. And so it's like, it just didn't feel good as a basketball game. And Damn. so it's it's whatever. I got my 70 bucks back yeah. and I, you will I'm, sleep like looking at, I'm looking at different things on the Xbox store that I'm thinking about getting. I'm thinking about getting like the, the Tomb Raider hmm. remastered collection. It's like 20 bucks right now oh, for wow. those three games. And so... I don't know. Um, That's true. At yeah. least some of that money is spoken for now as like being yes. video game money. You you have yes. you had already kind of processed spending that money on video games. Yeah, and I'm not getting it back as cash. Like Xbox is like, uh, we will I refund see. you sixty nine ninety nine in Xbox dollars. I see. You know, and so I went to my girlfriend. I was like, I know what I'll spend this on. Thirteen thousand V bucks, <laughs> and she was like. No, you won't. You can buy the BTS Dynamite dances so many times. <laughs> yeah. So what are you playing? I, okay, I didn't, didn't play a ton this week in part because like hurricane anxiety had me really on edge and also just like trying to help out with shit at work and whatnot with that. But um, the main thing I've been playing this week, I started playing this really adorable JRPG for the PS1 called Rhapsody, A Musical Adventure. I had never heard of this game, but I was just like idly scrolling down Facebook Marketplace as I am wont to do sometimes. And I saw this PS1 game that somebody had listed for 150 bucks. And I was like, well, this has got to be something. So I looked it up. Are you familiar at all with the Disgaea series of RPGs? No. They're this like anime RPG series that came about on like the PS2 era where it's like tactical rpgs so it it looks from if you're looking at it without playing it it looks almost like a fire emblem or like a final fantasy tactics type of thing and you play as like demons but it's like cutesy goofy anime demons and shit but either way that series starts on the ps2 and they're like still making those today like i think disgaea 6 for the next gen consoles is like coming out soon and it's, it's published and developed by these people called NIS. It's Nipponichi Software. And so I learned that prior to Disgaea going crazy and then making a bunch of money off of it, so it was like the main thing they were making, Nipponichi had a couple of other series. And one of them was this series called Marl's Kingdom in Japan. 
So it's M-A-R-L. It's just like a person's name. And it's like this loosely connected series of three games that are RPGs of varying types. But interestingly, they're like kind of aimed at young girls. So the the first game, the one I'm playing, Rhapsody, is the only one that was localized over here into America. And then there's like a there's like translation patches that exist online for the other ones because it has kind of like a cultish fan base. And it's really it's really goofy. It's really silly. It's like kind of interesting that it got localized at all. It's kind of crazy to me that this is something that was brought over because it is very clearly like I don't know how it was marketed back in the day or how much it was marketed at all because it was published by like atlas back in the late 90s and i don't really know what their marketing was like but it um it does feel like it's made for young girls like you play as this girl named cornet and she has a magical trumpet and her magical trumpet can like bring these like doll creatures to life and you summon them in battle and it's not like it's not played straight it's got like a very sideways sense of humor it's very slapstick it's got like a very kind of anime side story type sense of humor to it but the pixel art's really pretty and the since it's called rhapsody a musical adventure i was wondering what that was going to look like and it has like full-on musical numbers in the game sometimes mm-hmm. it'll it'll be like it's like a play functionally and you'll you'll play through a part of the story and then you'll get to a point where there's just a musical number and this is nuts i've never seen this in a game this old it actually has the option to turn it on the English dialogue for the music or the Japanese dialogue for the music, which is fucking nuts. Like, I don't remember ever seeing voice track language options on an RPG from Japan until like the PS3 era, maybe. Like, it's kind of more common now with the recognition that like a lot of people just don't want to listen to the shitty dubbed voice actors. But I left it on the English because I really wanted to hear how they translated full-on musical numbers. And they're, like, really good. It's, like, totally fine. And I'm enjoying it. It's, like, serviceable. It's a good, just, like, goofy, silly, short RPG. It's it's not turn-based. It's, like, tactical. So it's, like, you get into a random encounter and then you get thrown into this match. The, match- the battles are, like, frighteningly easy. And that's part of what makes me think that, like, it might be targeted at a slightly younger audience. But the story is, like, kind of cute. And I really like the art. So I'm going to keep playing it for a little bit. But uh, it's it's just interesting. It's it's kind of funny to see, like, a window into a period in the 90s when, like, this company was just kind of, like, throwing everything at the wall to see what sticks. Mm-hmm. And producing something that is, like, totally not made for somebody like me nowadays. But I'm totally enjoying. So... That's the that's the main thing. Other than that, yeah, it's been Fortnite. You know, my my hurricane anxiety. I was playing Fortnite with you yesterday. I'm just kind of that is currently my like turn off your brain and play game right now. I'm trying to think what my last turn off your brain game was. I think the last one before this was probably like Slay the Spire on my Switch, which like that's a card game. So it's not like it requires more thought than Fortnite does, but there was a minute there where it was like I was always in the middle of a game of Slay the Spire and I was just like picking my switch up and playing it. The last thing, the last couple of things I really wanted to shout out, like I usually shout out like cool YouTube videos I've been watching or like listening to about video games. Um, one was the newest from the folks at the Bad End podcast. The one host of the show has kind of like spun off and started doing YouTube video essay content and I like really like it. I think it's really fun. And he did one about like the attention economy in video games recently. And it was about like 
how he feels like he is literally wasting minutes of his life playing a lot of modern games based on the way that they are structured to kind of like sap your time. And it was really interesting and kind of got me thinking about like how I view some of the like modern single player story experiences I've played. Like I think I I mentioned it in the podcast when I was trying to play it. I played a little bit of Assassin's Creed Valhalla because uh, one of my coworkers bought it, didn't like it, and gave it to me. And man, playing that game just felt fucking yucky because it is built also with a mechanic in the background where you can just like multiplayer microtransaction style buy experience points to power level yourself. So mm. with that in mind, the game has to be built in such a way to incentivize that. So like it just didn't feel good. And having played like the older Assassin's Creed games and being able to like jump down and just assassinate somebody, it felt really weird to be playing one of those games to like jump down, try to assassinate somebody and like have my level not be high enough for a knife through their neck to kill them. And for then a little voice in the back of my head being like, you could purchase levels like that. It felt really scummy. So. That was one really interesting video about that. And the other one was, I actually think I mentioned him on the episode last week, but there's this video game reviewer I really like. His name is Tim Rogers. He used to write and do video content for Kotaku. And now he kind of does his own shit as uh, he calls himself Action Button. He's like a video game development studio that I think has put out like one game, but he also does these like super long, super thoughtful reviews of video games. And his most recent review was for the game Boku no Natsu Yasumi which is a Japanese slice of life game that like might have partially inspired Animal Crossing that only ever released in Japan. The the most recent game in this series actually did release in the USA. It's like based on the Crayon Shinchan anime, but this game is like one where you play as this little boy Boku and you go on vacation to your aunt and uncle's house in like rural Japan in 1975. And it's just like your summer on their farm and you hang out and enjoy the wilderness and shit. And like half of the review is actually about the game. The other half is like Tim Rogers exploring his own relationship with nostalgia and childhood and other video yeah. games like this. And it was just really, really cool. I really love shit like that. And it's one of those games that like he is fluent in Japanese and I am not fluent in Japanese. So unless some kind of magical translation or localization comes out for it, I will never be able to play it. But I eat that shit up. Like I love listening to people talk about games I like have never played. I was watching this video when I was making dinner tonight. Mm -hmm. That was it was on Triple Jump's YouTube channel. Okay. And it was them ranking every single Star Wars video game. Oh wow. From from worst to best uh -huh. and i didn't finish it because it's it's an hour 45 mm -hmm. um and so i probably got through like 20 games and it's just kind of crazy to see just how horrible some of those are <laughs> and so like for any of the listeners who heard our news item about disney wanting to release star wars games every six months just watch like the first 30 minutes of that video yeah. while they're talking about 30 minutes of the worst star wars video games mm -hmm. of all time and it's just like that's what the, every six months it'll be another one of those yeah. you know that was what was so funny about this video i was watching uh i i forgot to mention it is six hours long it is a it is a <laughs> six hour long video review that i watched over the course of about four days but like the minute it dropped i watched the first 90 minutes like like a fucking movie and it's 
it is really inter I feel like there is a very popular genre on YouTube, which is like people talk about games they hate and then talk about them for a long time and interrogate why they hate them. And there is there is definitely a place for that. But hearing somebody just like lovingly gush about a game that they absolutely adore is so special. And I really, I really love hearing people talk about like how games have inspired them in different ways and like what they took out of it at different points in their lives. And that's that's what a lot of that review was. And I enjoyed that a lot. But I do also want to hear people talk about like shitty Star Wars games. <laughs> I think that's like pretty much everything I wanted to talk about. You got anything else that like came up? I don't know. I think I do not. I think we're probably good. We will be back, the two of us, next week because Tori's still going to be doing like wedding travel-y type stuff. So expect us back here again with more stuff. Uh, as long as another hurricane doesn't blow through, we won't cancel the podcast or anything. Nathaniel, do you want people to find you on the internet? Is there a place where you want people to find you? Yes. You guys are always hating. I am happily on Twitter.com at NathanBased. Twitter is hell. The world is hell. Yeah. So that's true. Twitter is, Twitter is great. You know, Any, anytime bad things happen, like Twitter is the place to be. Like that's I, true. I had, I was really sick the day that the queen died. Mm -hmm. And so I was really out of it. And then I realized at like 6 PM, like, damn, Twitter's probably going off today. <laughs> and so I got on and it was, um, so yeah, on Twitter at Nathan based. Twitter, Twitter is the best place to be when bad things happen to bad people. You're right. You're yeah. Right. Or good people. Or good people. Yeah, that's true. It's still funny. <laughs> I'm on Twitter at Noah underscore Hertz, spelled H-U-R-T-S. And the podcast is on Twitter at press underscore start pod. You can also email us either about like, I don't know, your favorite Star Wars video game or what, what skin you use in Fortnite at heypressstart at gmail.com. Similarly, we would appreciate if you left reviews on the podcast. You can do that on like whatever app you're listening to this on. And if you leave a particularly interesting review, we will read it out on the show here. All of our music and sound effects are from the artist Geist. You can listen to more of their stuff at noahgeist.bandcamp.com. The show art is by Kai at Wisp Graphics. All of your video game news is curated by us. And the show is produced by myself with, I usually give you a special thanks at the end here because like you let us use your Zoom room, but I can give you, I give you like an in-person thanks. So thanks for facilitating this. You're welcome. And other than that, uh, I think that's about it. Everybody should go play good video games. What should we leave them off with? Number one, Victory Royale. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Number one, Victory Royale. Thanks for listening. I always sound like so uncertain when I say thanks for listening at the end because I always do it after I've like said something I forgot to say. So mm -hmm. then I'm in the post, I'm like, Ugh. you so. just have to have Tori do it. It's the same thing with What's Up Gamers. Honestly, honestly. she's just she just crushes What's Up Gamers every week. <laughs>